The Overview is a production of Chamman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode 74 of The Overview. I'm Chamman V, and joined today by my co-host, Fish Sticks and ZP. What's up, guys? Hey, Chris. Uh, I hung out with you all weekend, so <laughs> I know. I I'm not going like to ask just... how you're doing, because we, you <laughs> we, know, we know were just chilling we're at PAX. That's right. First, we were at PAX West in Seattle, one of the one of the best gaming events that's not esports oriented. That's right. Ever. So we're, many we're board games. So many board <laughs> games. I've never seen... I didn't actually realize. It just... I don't know why. It just dawned on me. It's like, okay, PAX. Oh, yeah, Penny Arcade. And and it's like, oh, yeah, it's not just video games here. And boy, were there more board games than video games. It was pretty cool to see, actually. All right. So if anyone was wondering what Chris and Fistix were doing over the weekend, they were playing board games at PAX. Right. Were anyone's, like, really good in particular? Man, well, I didn't actually play any board games, but I definitely yeah. watched a lot of people play board okay. games. Okay, so you, so you were just a voyeur this entire time. I did time. buy one, though. I did buy a board okay. game. Yeah. You, you did support them, if nothing I did else. support them, yes. Or at least some of you the know, you know, companies there. A, a bigger thing for me at PAX was just eating seafood and drinking beer and, oh, and that drinking night. coffee in Seattle. Yeah. Seattle has fantastic food, fantastic alcohol, fantastic coffee, everything. I just like Seattle, man. It's a good place to be. Yeah, just minus the homeless people. But everything else yeah, is too, amazing yeah. about Seattle, that's for sure. But ZP, how's Overwatch been? <laughs> it has been good. Uh, of course, uh, I have not got a chance to go out to Seattle anytime recently. I've mm -hmm. been in uh, Colorado. Right. But we've had some great uh, contender ga or contenders games to watch, and it's been really cool to see things evolve uh, from a mile high up. Okay, yeah, definitely we'll be talking about contenders NA and EU, given that there's some... Pretty good matches this past weekend, uh, but we'll kick things off. Talk about a new comic that just came out, which is uh, the Junkrat Road, kind of a Junker Town comic. So, did you guys get a chance to take a look at that? I did not. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've okay. Okay. Browsed through it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. It seems. I don't. It feels less exciting than some of the previous ones. Like. It didn't really feel like there was any interesting plot revealed at all, or or, yeah. or anything about like the core, uh, uh, the core lore of Overwatch. But I will say the art is amazing. I really like how they mm -hmm. uh, how Junkrat looks in this comic. It's pretty yeah, awesome. I mean, I think the main thing with the comic was just this is the origins of Roadhog and Junkrat, right? How they met, how they end up becoming this dynamic duo. Uh, it wasn't that epic, to be honest. It was just kind of like, okay, like he just kind of picks that guy. He, it's like he, he, Junkrat was kind of like that girl that just points at this random dude and says, yeah, he's my boyfriend because there's some creepers like all over her. I felt like that was kind of what happened there with Junkrat and Rodog. And then now all of a sudden they're just, you know, this Batman and Robin of the, uh, the Badlands, basically. So, um, it's like you said, I, I think it was one of the least interesting ones that out of all the ones I've seen. Uh, well, look, if nothing else, it's a little bit timely, right? Where Junkrat and Roadhog both recently got buffs. So, yeah. And yeah, the why, why not? 
Yeah, well, I'm throw I wonder, a, I wonder uh, if they time it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably coincidence, but yeah. you will probably be seeing more Junkrat as time goes on. I mean, hey, if you're Taibu, you're seeing more Junkrat now, right? But And if you're playing uh, on ranked, you're also seeing a lot more Junkrat. <laughs> definitely <laughs> seeing a lot more. That's, it's a force to be reckoned. It, that's true. Can't dumpster the junkster. <laughs> can't dumpster the junk. Yeah, not anymore at least. The time that junkster's in the bottom has uh, gone away. But anyways, check, it, check this out, guys. It's on comic.playoverwatch.com. Um, again, artwork's great, and hopefully they continue making these things, uh, or making these comics just to continue the, the lore or explaining the lore for us. Um, next, we talk about just news, I guess. I mean, there's definitely been some player news, as usual. Uh, but I would say it's been quieter than we've had in the last few weeks or months. Um, we're, we were due for a quieter week, but we still had pretty big drama here with Sinatra. So uh, de definitely the uh, big, I, I think, uh, news that came out er or later last week was that Sinatra signed with NRG after everybody thought he was on Cloud9, given that he was listed on their, uh, their roster. And we even talked about them picking up Sinatra a week ago. So um, big news is that, or, or at least hasn't been officially announced, right? But he signed with NRG for 150K, which... Apparently, it's 50K more than what was originally uh, uh, talked about his salary, which is 100K. And again, this is all speculation. Apparently, that 50K came from basically a bidding war between Energy and, and C9. So, um, yeah, what do you guys think about this? You know, none of this is confirmed yet. We haven't heard from Energy official pickups or anything like that. But, um, you know, most of the time, this type of thing, these type of things are true. So, what do you guys think? So assuming that this is true, I think the most interesting part about this isn't even necessarily Sinatra himself, but what the implications are for other players that are looking for spots on OWL teams, players that know they are in a good position and valued. If they haven't signed on the dotted line yet, this is obviously going to potentially raise things up. I think the other thing that you can look at this here from a new standpoint is what is this saying about what's going on behind the scenes? where, of course, a lot of OWL mm -hmm. stuff is sort of shrouded in secrecy right now. But if this report is to be believed, you have teams that are really battling to sign players right now, and this is all going on sort of off the public sphere, where it does mean that the teams involved in OWL are really taking the signing period seriously. And mm -hmm. you do have the sort of Game of Thrones-esque uh, war going on to get the best players on a roster. So it, it's sort of interesting that this is going on behind the scenes. And yeah. the Sinatra stuff bubbling to the point where now you have their support, they get signed for 150K is sort of just one of the cracks in the view of secrecy, perhaps, that you're now seeing in regards to rosters taking shape. I, it's exciting because it's the first. Well, it's still a rumor, obviously, uh, <laughs> and we have teams like the Lunat Lunatic High Squad has been announced as you know they're going to be part of an OWL squad. But it's uh, one of the first uh, signings that we've heard of. So hopefully, this is the beginning of a very exciting couple of weeks and months as we lead into OWL. Of course, there's going to be a lot more signings coming through. Uh, to talk about the actual dollar amount, 150K, mm -hmm. uh, some people are like, wow, that's a lot. Some people are middling about it. I'm kind of like not totally surprised. Uh, Sinatra is clearly one of the all-star players from the Western world. <laughs> and while 150K is amazing and it's awesome to hear and see that that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a 
feasible salary for any type of player. I mean, Sinatra is really the cream of the crop when it comes to the Western talent. Uh, so this doesn't seem like an earth-shattering number to me. It doesn't seem all that surprising, really. I'm, to me. Also, really, I'm really curious to see if... like For me, it sounds a little high to me, and given that the original price was a hundred K for him, which I felt like that would have felt just right to me. I'm wondering if, um, this is a case of, I don't know, miniature a rods, you know, like where (laughs) NRG is famous for over, for paying or overpaying for their players. That is true. And we're (laughs) seeing, I know. And he, Uh, and it's not sure breaking the market or energy, like really throwing off the OWL market right from the get go. I don't think so. I think that, and I don't really want to give player names or examples, but just, you know, going, uh, I'll say this. I think that it's not inconceivable to think that some players will actually be getting more than this potentially. I think 150 will definitely be on the high end, but if yeah. this report is in fact true, and just to sort of, you know, bring it back down here is that for those who haven't been following, the minimum salary for Overwatch League is 50000 per player. So Sinatra is getting paid three times the minimum, which is quite a large amount. I think it will be towards the higher end of what players will get, but if you take a look at players that are around, like players that you could very easily say are better than Sinatra, it's a slim pool, but they are around, I do feel like there's a potential for some players to be getting over this, just probably not too much more over. I mean, just if you look at other esports uh, as, a comp, uh, as something to compare it with, Obviously, Overwatch is in its infancy. Viewership isn't nearly where a game like League would be, but you still do hear of these, you know, million-dollar salaries for the best players in the world. Uh, so it's a good sign. Uh, yeah. I- I'm excited for Sinatra. I'm excited for the future of being pros in Overwatch. And I, I think, if-, if anything, hopefully this lights another fire under the ass of all of the Overwatch pros <laughs> that are not taking this super seriously, that are not practicing all day and night. I mean, this is what you get when you put in the time and you show your worth. One thing that I think is going to be interesting, though, which NRG could have a dilemma for, and this is sort of a basket of good problems to have if it ever comes to it, right, is that Sinatra is not 18 years old yet. He doesn't turn 18 until about midway through the first season. So he's going to be collecting his full salary (laughs) here if this is, in fact, what he's getting, but he's not going to be able to play for, you know, presumably a good portion of the season. So unless of course, in Blair, who knows, but um, yeah, yeah it, it, it's going to be, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting as far as this goes here, but uh, here's the part that really makes you think is that going into this, what if NRG they're going to have to have someone else playing the hit scan role, right? Where, uh, what's it called? So you're going to have someone on the hit scan role and what if that person's doing really well? Do you, like an NRG is winning with whoever that person may be? Yeah. Do you then bench that person so Sinatra can play if you're doing really well? Like, what if Sinatra this gets all the time, Drew Bloodsoe to <laughs> exactly. Tom, Brady Tom Brady before he even gets to play? If it is a case, I don't where, think that's uh, he happen, can't play no. in the beginning. I don't think that's going to uh, happen. I mean, I think NRG would just sign that player too, and they'll have like obviously two great hit scan players, but. Sinatra's uh, 17, so yeah, he's not he's actually not getting benched because he's injured. Like that typical kind of scenario happens. He's actually getting benched just because he's he's too young. So I think this this situation is gonna be a bit different. And it is gonna be a dilemma though. I could you know, if if they're fortunate enough to have that dilemma, you know, they should just be happy about it. I mean, I don't think it's gonna be that that big a deal for them. But uh, anyways, so 
you know, one thing about the Sinatra uh, salary is that it's a great thing for players. You know what I mean? Like, I think you, now you're seeing these these big base salaries, and they're still going to be bonuses on top of this base salary. So players are going to be getting paid very, very healthy, healthy, and that's that's really great to see, given that these guys are going to be obviously fully committed now. And you know, the more and more we hear about OWL, the more and more we are seeing the money. You know, that's uh, the players are going to be getting. So that's great. That's definitely great. Definitely a good sign for the players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So another bit of news. We've got some, um, maybe some hints at uh, players possibly being on other teams, and we we see Jake, uh, Sure Four, and uh, Craigie being on different rosters listed this past week, and uh, Jake so, uh, apparently listed as a sub for Phase, and Sure Four and Craigie subbing for C Nine EU. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? I mean, Jake obviously has been hinting, and there's been various tweets and little clips from Jake's stream that that uh, things are looking good for him. Um, but is it? I don't think it's Phase, right? I mean, like with OWL, I mean, Phase doesn't have a team yet, so um, I guess he's just helping out Phase for the short term. Maybe yeah, I, I think <laughs> it, if, if one thing isn't clear to you, and it, it probably should be, these contenders rosters mean. I feel like they mean almost nothing at this <laughs> I point. I agree. Like people totally are reading agree. so much into who's subbing for who and who's playing for who, when ultimately, uh, my strong feeling and a lot of people in the scene, uh, strong feeling as well, is that most of these teams are going to be shattered and built back together uh, from the ground up. So yeah. a lot of these players, you know, sure for the Cloud Nine NA squad he was on didn't didn't qualify for contenders. Of course, he's going to try and play for teams and, and get his name out there more. And he's an incredibly talented DPS. So it makes sense that he would get out there. Same with Jake. Uh, but it doesn't really mean anything in terms of the long-term spot for these squads. Well, so th there is a meta game going on here, right? Where a lot of the players are obviously being involved in OWL tryouts. It's no secret that teams are trying out players for OWL. So that's definitely affected the quality of play for some teams that have been playing where not every team is getting the practice time they're looking for here. I, you can't for this situation here where you have Jake on the phase sub roster and Scherfer and Craggy on the C9 EU roster. Don't forget that there was a roster lock for EU or for EU and NA contenders where now the people you have on your roster, the people you have, you can't add or remove going forward here. So this could also just be a case of, hey, if someone can't play, do you mind filling in? even if the player isn't really intending on playing for the team. This could just right. be security, if nothing else. So mm -hmm. we see Jake suddenly play for FaZe or, or Sure4 and Craggy sub in for C9. Uh, Jake subbing in for FaZe seems less likely than Sure4 and Craggy subbing in for C9, because C9 is clearly uh, trying to figure out who they want to play with, particularly in the hitscan spot, where mm -hmm. they've gone from, of course, they were with Sinatra and now it seems like they're not with Sinatra uh, based <laughs> on the fact that Mikey was playing in a spot last week, but both sure and Craggy can play tracer. Craggy in particular is known for having a very good tracer. So maybe we'll see C9 uh, bop back and forth between who's playing their hit scan. Uh, I right. wouldn't be too surprised. Okay. Um, let's see. Next bit of news we've got here is actually our buddy flame announced he was going full time. Which is really cool, given that you know he's been definitely back and forth, you know, obviously on the show talking about that, and uh, you know, also in like a lot of uh, you know offline type of uh, conversations, he's been trying to figure out when the right time to to dive in, or if it was if it was the right decision for him. And clearly, 
it's the right decision for him because you know I've, I've been expecting this for a very very long time i think he just had to come to grips with it and have a very good situation ready for him what do you guys think well there's just a time especially when you're involved in the broadcasting end and you know flame has options to do broadcast consulting whatever it may be but there certainly does come a time where you have to decide, are, do you act, are you all in? Are you going to make it your career or are you not? Because when you're holding down a full-time job, it's very difficult for uh, companies and organizations to commit behind you when you're always going to have other conflicts rising. There's uh, very, very few people in esports that can pull off having a full-time job doing something not esports and still going in and like doing events, et cetera, particularly in the broadcasting end where, frankly – people have to be available. So this definitely helps Flame going forward and going, I would like to cast this event. No, I don't have a conflict with my job. I The only conflicts I'd have would be other broadcasting things. So it, it, it's a good development. Yeah. You're right, ZP. It is very difficult for anyone <laughs> to get into the scene who has a full-time job. <laughs> <sighs> he knows. He I know too well. Knows. Too uh, not, well. not trying to cut too close to home there, Ben. <laughs> this I, I, I is reality. It, it, it is reality, and it makes perfect sense for flame to do this. Uh, look, he's going to have a job somewhere. It's yeah. whether it's uh, coaching a team or doing strategizing for a team or, you know, making content for OWL or casting or doing uh, an analyst role or yeah, GM. GM for a whole team. Mm -hmm. Any of those I think are on the table for, for someone with the, the level of clout that flame Scott. So this one makes a lot of sense. And I know he's been super unhappy at his job recently it's like not not just he wants to do a overwatch full-time yep. he's also been really unhappy at his job so good on you yes good on this is you. like perfect situation i hate my current job and like there's there's you know something i'm super passionate about like waiting in the in the works for me so no brainer for flame here and um you know excited for him and can't wait to hear what that job is going to end up being because i'm sure we're going to be hearing the very near future maybe two weeks after this maybe before too who knows okay next bit of news is um the venue in which i believe season one is going to be uh, or at least of owl will be um played in and broadcasted from was announced so it sounds like blizzard is or it doesn't sound like blizzard is building an arena in la um and they announced it uh when did they announce it they announced it uh, oh, they announced it today, actually, right? And um, yes. it sounds like it's going to be the Burbank studio, but, um, you know, Burbank studio we've actually seen in the past, but it's going to be totally renovated so that it's going to be, um, you know, perfect or going to be suitable for the Overwatch League. It's going to be 450 seats in there. There's going to be spectator boxes for special guests. And, um, you know, there's, there's going to be some practice areas. Pretty cool. I mean, a lot of things that, you know, obviously you don't see right now in the Burbank Studios, but um, it sounds like the facilities will be pretty cool and maybe something similar to the LCS studio. I don't know. What do you guys think? I've never been to the LCS, LCS studio, so have you? Have you guys been there? I, I've I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm really curious to know how this compares, how it stacks up. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't play League or watch a ton of League, but I've tuned into LCS before. Yeah. And 450 seats. I, I got to feel like that's bigger than what LCS has uh, for, for the regular play days. I could be wrong, and someone feel free to jump in at any time if you know better than I do, which you probably do. Uh, <laughs> but 450 seats, you know, that Pretty doesn't... Good. Yeah. necessarily sound like a lot compared to huge sports stadiums which can facilitate 100 you know uh 
20,000 people. We've seen that in esports many, many, many times. But you have to remember, this is for the regular season. There's going to be multiple broadcast days every single week for many, many months in this studio. And it's it's more of a studio than an arena. Uh, so 450 sounds okay. Um, I think the, the Overwatch World Cup uh, in Santa Monica, that arena couldn't have been more than... 500 seats as well so i think oh. if you're looking for yeah if you're looking for a frame of reference it's roughly in line with what we had for santa monica and that crowd was hype that crowd was loud mm -hmm. uh that that was that was plenty of crowd to get audience roars and screams whenever there's a big play so i think 450 mm -hmm. is definitely in the right range well, first of all, let me just say casting front of the crowd that was definitely incredibly noticeable. I mean, anytime Team USA did anything good, like you definitely could feel the uh, hometown energy. And you weren't even in front of them. You're like behind. <laughs> You're like, no, we, we, yeah, we were in the yeah, we were back like in our own little corner. We we clearly uh, just wanted to avoid people or something, or that's just how it was set up. Uh, <laughs> it, the thing that I think is worth noting here, even though this we are more Overwatch focused uh, when we talk about these things, is that it just makes sense for Blizzard to set this up because they clearly didn't set this up as like oh it's the overwatch arena it's like no it's the blizzard arena and you'd have to think that going forward they're going as i've sort of mentioned in the early press releases here they're going to be using it for other titles blizzard is a company that has multiple esport titles that they support so it's not just an overwatch thing even though from the sounds of it, it seems like overwatch might have dibs blizzard's going to be getting a lot of use out of this for their other titles as well like i probably wouldn't be surprised to see in addition like hearthstone things which are yeah, already planned the championships like, maybe see, are going to be there yeah i wouldn't yeah hgc stuff will probably be run out of there i would think at some point and they'll be able to use this sort of a hub for a lot of blizzard things as a home base so i think it's kind of cool that blizzard has this to support all their games but obviously uh, overwatch will get be the first to sort of get the experience there at the contenders finals. Yeah. ZP, so what you're saying is Hearthstone League confirmed. Uh well, yes, uh, clearly. Uh, just uh we nerf all League, of your innervates. At least HCT and nerf all your innervates. <laughs> no, HCT championships aren't at BlizzCon this year, right? So they're probably gonna be in that's, that's... this arena <laughs> at some point in I don't know, December or January. But uh, yeah, it's definitely really good. I think it's a good, you know, anchor venue for for all these esports. And I'm hoping that the you know OWL will have some cool matches somewhere else too. You know, not just in the studio, just to hype it up a little bit more. And I think Ben, you were thinking that they were going to do some and maybe some of the geolocations uh, around the world, or maybe even other places. I would think the geolocations would be the the most sensible thing to do. Uh, I mean, first first off. When it comes to the playoffs and the grand finals, I will bet an obscene amount of money that this is going to be in a bigger arena. I don't. They're not going to use this arena for yeah, every yeah, single broadcast. Like this is going to move into sports stadiums for the grand finals. I can guarantee you that. Uh, the other thing I would say is we mentioned this in a previous show, but a big part of uh, the the leaked uh owl team contract or the or not even leaked but maybe it was publicly announced I don't, I don't even remember anymore but a big part of the owl team thing is that you get to host events in your local arena so that makes me think that even in year one is supposed to be all in la but i would be surprised if they don't try things and try going to other locations and like maybe it's a traveling league like one week they go out to New York and have it in the New York arena. Uh, I really, really uh, suspect that that's going to happen. I just think it'll be interesting to see how it develops. I mean, I could see a wide variety of scenarios uh, 
basically unfolding for this. But if nothing else, you do know that there will be a home base in uh, Los Angeles with the new Blizzard Arena. Yeah, hopefully we get to make one of these games one of these times, man. It's it's definitely great for everybody that's local to LA, and um, there's a ton of Overwatch fans that are in LA. I'm sure this 450 well, seats will have no problems I mean, it, filled. It clearly helps for Immortals, if nothing else. Where <laughs> are, are you ready for Immortals to get cheered for constantly? Well, or hopefully, uh, well, they have to they turn around it, there. They totally need it, man. Right now, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah. Well, hey, let's put it this way: if they play. In OWL, like they're playing contenders right now, you're gonna see fans show up to the arena wearing bags on their heads, just like. Well, so yes, here's the question: Will the fans boo? Like, man, I was watching the Longhorn game. Man, our fans were booing the Longhorns this past past week. So, will the really? LA fans be that you know t- to that extent where they're just booing the home team because they're playing so bad? Our one more point here on the arena note is that the Overwatch Contenders season finals has been announced October 7th and 8th, and it oh, will yeah. be in right. this arena. Yeah. So uh, this, <laughs> you're going to see this thing in short order. Break it in. Yeah. So uh, th- this is completely random and off top, but you just reminded me to check the uh, how the NFL games will be going here. And apparently Roger Goodell was greeted with booze at Gillette Stadium tonight. Much to the surprise of no one. Wow. I mean, he's, he's uh, greeted uh, with booze. Our audience do- Don't you know he's greeted at booze at every single stadium, ZP? Well, <laughs> particularly New England and probably yes, Dallas uh, with course. the Ezekiel uh, suspension. So, yes, yes. You know. uh, th- now this ends the NFL podcast part of the broadcast. <laughs> Please continue on. Right, right. Okay. Well, let's talk about Overwatch contenders, given that uh, that is the main. Well, Apex is going on too, but uh, you know, in the NA at least and EU, it's the main Overwatch competition that's going on right now. So, uh, week three of Contenders concluded, and uh, we actually—I I didn't get a chance to because I was doing—I um, I was actually visiting family at the time. But Immortal was in Seattle at PAX, and they were doing some things at the Omen. Um, booth and because they had the Omen Arena was like where all the esports stuff was happening. It was like three v three is happening like all all weekend long, which Ben was wanting to play, but he never ended up playing in it. Um, but Immortals played their contenders match from the the uh, Omen Arena, so uh, lots of people got to watch them while they they were there. Um, unfortunately, I watched them make some interesting plays during their match, but uh, overall, ZP, what did you think of the NA? results this past week i'll bring them up well i think i think right now if you could bring up the standings that'd be pretty enlightening just to sort of give people a overview if they haven't been watching but uh from the north american side it's been bad for immortals obviously is now like it to give you an idea for the mortals to make the playoffs now not only do they have to win out on their final remaining matches but they also need to get help from other teams where the teams in the middle of the pack basically have to lose out so immortals they're in a very tough spot Renegades is just in nuclear meltdown spot where, the, granted, it's the same amount of serious losses, but th- they have won one map. They have won one map yeah, in four true. sets right now. True. And bear in mind, Renegades, this was a team that was very dominant in group play back in season zero. So Renegades has just been in nothing but a uh, spiral downward. But I do think there's multiple reasons for that, which we'll get into in just a moment. Yeah, let me get the standings here. Gosh, where, where are the Man, stand- it, There used to be a stand... Oh, there it is. Gosh, they changed the... It's oh, the continuous storyline of NA Overwatch, which, which we've been talking about now for like six months. It's it, 
no team will stay at the top for more than two months, apparently, or, or apparently even well, like the next, the next week. Other uh, NBS is finally back in <laughs> NA, so that was kind of the outlier to this uh, this story. But <laughs> we have seen basically every single NA squad be dominant for a period and then just completely drop off. It's happened to LJ, no. LG oh. Evil. It's happened to Immortals, Renegades. It's happened also Rogue to now. Selfless. It's happening to Rogue. Mm-hmm. It happened to Clean C9. C9 was like the first one for this to happen to. So yeah, it's just uh, the cycle continues. Well, so now we kind of get into it. So just to kind of remind people, Renegades did lose very decisively to Envision, where Envision has sort of been bolstered both by the mistakes of their opponents, but also Jaru just playing out of his mind, right? But uh, I think Renegades is interesting where. You can look at the gameplay side of things where they keep rotating people in and out, where they rotated out Jesus for Corey, and that didn't work out really well for them because Jesus has historically been their best performing player. But I also wonder, Renegades is a good example of a team right now where you wonder where the players are at because when you have every player publicly declaring looking for Team OWL, it makes you wonder if their focus is even on playing with Renegades right now or rather just trying to get in on tryouts for other teams. So I don't know if Renegades really has their head in the game as a cohesive unit right now, if you take a look at all the other outside factors, because when you have every single member of your team going out in the public going, please, OWL teams, look at me, I want to play with you, how much can everyone really be focusing on improving the end product there? Uh, it, It just... It seems like a case of a team right now where the players seemingly want out. And this is yeah. just looking at both their suddenly decreased level of play, roster sh- or swaps are a little bit weird, and just the That's totality of evidence in front of us. That's unfortunate because Contenders is one of the few things that allows o- OWL owners and GMs to look at you or to even consider you for a tryout. So... Hmm. This is just a wasted opportunity. Well, like if I if if that is the case, like they're not putting an effort into well, it, or they just out you know one foot out the door t- situation. To consider the stress the players are under right now too, though, where you know it, it, it's sort of become meme tastic, right? Where it's just like LOL, everyone L for T OWL. But this is a very stressful time for players, right? Where a lot of them have been playing in Overwatch for over a year to a year and a half now. And now you're sort of at the point where you're hearing news about players like Sinatra, you know, supposedly getting signed for 150K. And you know OWL teams are signing people. And you're not having people knock on your door. That's going to basically put even more pressure on you. And that's going to dominate a lot of your thought processes. So then you still come down to game day where you have to perform. And obviously, I think it's messed with more than a handful of players right now, contenders. I'm about to say the worst thing ever, but maybe the Renegade squad is purposely throwing so that they don't have to play in Detroit. Ever thought about that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> maybe. I don't know, maybe. Um, yeah, so if you're looking at the results, I mean, right now it looks like, I mean, MVS is clearly the best team. Looks like, you know, Envision phase, probably Tier 2. Kangarna, I would say, would have been in Tier 2 too, but this past week it looks like they, um, you know, didn't play nearly as well as they did the previous two weeks. So maybe Kangarning Rogue in, the, in this middle tier, and then you got the rest here. With Immortals, you know, we've been talking about Immortals struggling, and, you know, just given that I'm seeing a lot of good things happening with Immortals in terms of marketing, you know, where they're, like, making all these appearances and, you know, things at PAX, and even just in more appearances even recently, um, 
I wonder if they even care about contenders, to be honest. Like, I, I don't even think they're, they're uh, I don't know. Like, I, I just kind of get well, this vibe well, they that should. they don't. Yeah, I, I, I could be completely so, wrong. I just get that vibe that they don't. Immortals doesn't have the excuse that Renegades does, where Renegades, you know, you have the players just really all going out looking for Team OWL, where clearly they're unsure about their OWL prospects. Immortals, like, this is a team that we know is very much in Overwatch League, and this is a case where the players should be playing out of their minds to defend their spots, and we haven't been seeing that, and... I think for Immortals, they don't really, like I said, they don't have the excuses that the other teams have here. And more than anything else, I mean, you take a look at Immortals, clearly their tank coordination has been off. Uh, a lot of people have sort of thrown some shade on Envy, and perhaps rightly so. The other thing, too, is that we're in the era of the hard carry tracer, we're in, where if your tracer isn't doing incredible amounts of work or your hit scan in general isn't able to bring that power, your team is going to suffer. I would point to you on the EU side, which of course we'll get to in a moment here, but look at how Misfits was transformed by adding Logics to their roster, where you add Logics in and Misfits is getting like every third team fight for free because Logics is just blowing people up yeah. and being a constant oppressive force that opens up the rest of his team. Frankly, you're not getting that from Grim Reality. Now. You're not getting Logics level performance. You're not even getting close to that. And a common theme for the teams that are doing really well, where you look at the North American side, who, the dominant team right there is Envy. Who do they have on that roster? They have Effect, who is, again, just an unbelievably godly tracer and also can flex to other things very well also. Uh, Envy is a lot of things going for them. But I, I think for Immortals is that they definitely need more other tracer play period. So Grim has definitely had a very rough season one here so far. But also, uh, you combine that with their tank troubles and what we've been seeing yeah. sort of from Envy yeah. and the Coronation. It's led to this sort of like strange mix where Immortals just hasn't done well at all. And it's very unfortunate because you stop and think about it. This, these, this is the team that was your Season Zero champion. This team was very good just a month and a half or so ago. So this drop-off has been very severe. Yeah. And shocking. I mean, surprising. They they did they brought the Koreans in and they didn't immediately like well they had huge success immediately, but then it's just Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, all of those things I completely agree with you, ZP and um and you know, logic rationale tell me, yeah, those are all the reasons they're um struggling. I just have this feeling that, you know, they know they're going to be an OWL. You know, they're working on other things in preparation for OWL, you know, that's non-game related. And I just feel like maybe this 100,000 prize, like, they just don't really care too much about it, given that they have, you know, bigger things to, to prepare for in the future. So I, I, but all those things that you said were completely right, too. So they are struggling from the standpoint of even just having, having the, um, you know, the tools to be successful with the current meta. Um, but anybody else here sticking out? I mean, FaZe obviously still looking pretty good here. Um, I mean, oh, FNRG, you know, FNRG FE, I have to say, has been a little bit disappointing too. I, I thought they were going to be doing a little bit better here, maybe in like the top half of uh, the season after, um, you know, some just seeing what they did in the prior uh, season. But they've pretty much been, you know, a non factor this entire time. Well, I, I think FNRGFE still has the ability to get in the playoffs, but they did have a slower start. I think mm -hmm. you take a look back in particular at their uh, earlier weeks where they threw buds onto Doomfist. It was yeah. very much not successful. I think 
FNOG, if he had a harder time adjusting to the meta, uh, Bud certainly had a slower start than I think he would have liked. And uh, well, also, I wonder if Bud's is under a little bit of stress, too, because Bud's is one of the few members on FNOG. If it was uh, him and Clockwork that both put out the looking for team notices that we haven't seen from the other members there. So you saw, if you read in between the lines, I wonder if that means that you've had some members of the team going to OWL tryouts and otherwise, which would also hit practice time for the team, by the way. Like FNOG, if this is a team that is absolutely getting hit by practice time issues because of owl yeah. tryouts for other teams. Uh, but it is somewhat telling where Buds is one of the few members on the team that did feel compelled to put out an L for T notice. So if you know the teammates might be getting tried out and you're not, well, that would put even more pressure on Buds and maybe led to some of the you know less than great performances he had in week one and two. You know, this, this kind of brings up a, a question of just how contenders is going to function, you know, in the future. And, you know, because right now, you know, if a lot of teams are looking at these teams and they're asking for tryouts, you have got these people that are, you know, looking for teams or whatnot. And, and again, this is season one, so it's going to be a little bit different in the future. But it's pretty distracting, right? Like, this whole OWL tryouts going on, and to, to be honest, it just makes me think that they're, that they're not focused on contenders. And I feel like even as a spectator and as a fan, it, it just takes value from contenders and that it's a hundred thousand dollar tournament and you, you know what i mean though it, it's I, I i feel like if this is what contenders is going to be in the future then that's not very good <laughs> to be honest it, it, it's not what it would be in the future though i mean this is a uniquely chaotic time right where you have yeah. to fill out your owl rosters from scratch I think the way I would see contenders going forward is like a place where you still have third-party organizations that are building teams there, but this is where you sort of, it's your farm system, right? Where you build up talent and then you sell it off to OWL teams in the future. I think th this is the only season that has like a unique form of chaos because of all the OWL activity that's going on in the shadows. Yeah, I think what I would say is that maybe in the future, um, and they, maybe they've already planned this, but I'll just say it anyways, like have the contenders... But then have like tryouts and pickups or whatever after the tournament, you know, like that, so that the tournament does have focus and it's not, you know, oh, all of a sudden a player got picked from from the contenders and all of a sudden whatever's happening in the contenders just doesn't matter anymore. I know that happens in the minors and baseball and, and things like that, but I, I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing either, um, just because I think contenders will probably be a little bit bigger than what the minor leagues are in baseball, you know, from the standpoint of potential people watching it and, and, and maybe importance from that standpoint. Um, so I just hope they just delineate time periods where they can pick them up um, there. You know, you'd have to have shorter contender seasons too. Like you can have like, you know, months and months and months you, you'd have to have, you know, maybe three months or two months, but it would be, it would help me at least as a spectator, be able to focus on contenders a bit more. Yeah, I definitely agree. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I think you're right, Chris. I think uh, I think contenders will be a bigger deal than like NBA D League or, mm -hmm. or yeah. We don't nobody. League. I mean, there are uh, some people so, anyway. that watch it, but I've never seen a a minor a D League game. I've gone to a minor league game, like a baseball game, but on TV, like I never watch minor league games on TV. ZB, do you ever watch? I had this conversation with you one time, right? Like, have you ever watched mm. a D League game or a minor league baseball game? I mean, I definitely remember watching some minor league baseball games back in the uh, mid '90s when Jordan mysteriously retired oh, well, that's from the different. NBA and went that's to go and go play uh, major league baseball. Like, yeah. th like that was absolutely televised. But 
I get the comparisons of minor league and the other sports, but I also think that there's much more to be said for uh, just crazy cool player stories coming out in esports relative to that, where you are going to have players come out there just utterly dominant in a way that wouldn't necessarily shine in, say, minor league basketball or minor league ba- baseball. Because you think about what works. Is that baseball of the sports probably is one of the more compelling minor league systems where there's a much more reliable path to go from minor league to major league, right? But you you know mentioned things like D-League NBA. Well, a lot of your really good superstars in the NBA, vast majority of them are going to go like straight high school into pros. Not a lot of stops involved. So yeah. I think there's much more potential in esports to actually get far more crazily good players that come from this and those stories will i think drive a lot of people contenders even if like it's going on the same time as aowl yeah okay well we talked about na why don't we talk about eu now and i'll go over there show you the standings after week three so misfits still dominating kind of in an envy fashion here and one two three still doing really really well too cloud nine two and one i mean you pretty much have three have nots and you know, five halves <laughs> for the most part here. So um, they've just been beaten up on United Bazooka Puppies and Singularity, <laughs> racking up wins against them. Uh, so any any thoughts here? United, obviously. I mean, United's pretty much like the immortals yes. of the EU side. United has been somewhat less severe of a drop compared to Immortals, even though they haven't won any games here so far. But, I mean, they have been disappointing, right? Where they are the defending champions of Europe, and much like the defending champions of NA, they they have not come out in a dominant fashion. And there's been multiple reasons for that. I would say their first few weeks were definitely rough because this is a team where, because they were so blessed with talent, they had a lot of their players playing in the Overwatch World Cup. And a net effect of that is that you don't get a whole lot of practice time when a good portion of your team is out at every single event. You know, they had players on Netherlands, they had players on Team UK, and you down the list you go. So they definitely had to play catch-up. I'd argue that historically United has sometimes been a little bit rough around the edges of adapting new metas to begin with. And though they have a you know reasonably proven core, they're now running out of mulligans here. And I didn't touch on this when we talked about Rogue, but this is also coming at a really bad time for United, right? This is in the OWL signing period. Players are getting signed, etc., and for players on United that had a very high stock and players on Rogue that had a very high stock, these teams couldn't really be picking a worse time to slump, where I think some of the best players of both these teams will still get in, but it's definitely hurting sort of the role players on both teams, uh, I would say. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, this squad, uh, if you've been following the scene, you already know this, but they've, they the core of the squad has been together for such a long time, and they've had successes throughout different eras of Overwatch, especially considering the fact that they were so successful in Season 0 of Contenders. I feel like this is maybe one of my biggest surprises. Like, I guess I guess Immortals and United are tied for biggest disappointments of this <laughs> season so far. But I was especially hot for United, given how well mm-hmm. Cruz and, uh, uh, Cruz and Fox played yeah. for the UK squad. So... There is an interesting thing to be said there is that I would say for United is that part of why they were so good in season zero, they, they had two big factors that really set things up is that, yes, you had Cruz being very reliable and always getting good contribution out of what he was looking for. And truth to that, Cruz has still been doing that in season one. But the other two things they had in season zero that they haven't really 
the beginning of season one. Uh, number one is that teams have sort of downloaded boombox in the extent, right? Where teams are respecting Zenyatta early picks more. They're timing their engages to not just turn a corner and get bought by boombox. And that alone was giving United just ridiculous amounts of free team fights in season zero where boombox is probably accounting for at least like 20 percent of one team <laughs> fights for united which Crazy. is just stupid coming from Crazy. a sport very good but also teams have adapted the second part is sort of linking back to conversations we were talking about earlier with tracers being really big like why logics has been so good for misfits is that volatilia is someone that united has really relied upon for a long time to pull them out of the fire they'll be the guy that goes oh we lost someone early on. Let me go to the back and pick off two kills. And he hasn't had quite as good of a season himself. So United has been getting way less freebie team fights across the board. And mm-hmm. it's clearly hurt them in the results that they've had here so far. All right. Well, 1 2 3 is doing great too. Like, uh, when do Misfits and 1 2 3 play each other? Because I'd like to see that, to mm-hmm. be honest. Might take a look at the schedule. But yeah, that. Is, is that this week? I don't think it's this week. I think, I think no, it's this week is versus Giganti though. Yeah, Giganti. Yeah, yeah, Giganti will be a good one too. Um, I forget, guys. Does the winner of NA and winner of EU end up playing each other for fun, like at the end of this thing, or no? Not that I'm aware oh, of. Oh no. man, they should totally do that. That'd be great. Like super great. Well, I, and uh, this is just me speaking off the cuff, like not any official. Anything remotely like that, but mm-hmm. yeah, remember the entire point here for contenders is sort of like have regions here. It's not supposed to. Yeah, I don't think I know, content. I it's basically like you have Apex in Korea, while contenders is sort of the apex for like NA in EU is what I think the intent is here. So it wasn't supposed to be a thing of like, and now it's international winner of each fight. Like I don't think that was the intent. Could somebody else do it though, <laughs> please? <laughs> That'd be fun. In town. show match, baby. That'd be awesome. Totally awesome. All right, okay. Chris, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, that'd be great. All right, well, let's move on from contenders. Let's talk a little bit about meta. And, uh, you know, our obviously one of our big community members, Captain Planet, always has a meta report, um, I think once a week, right? Or, or pretty close to once a week, mm-hmm. but not once yeah. a week. Every week. Yeah, exactly. And he uh, recently came out with one that, Ben, you, you kind of uh, wanted to talk about this or listed this out. So why don't you... Uh, walk us through this. Sure. Uh, I mean, I'll definitely defer to ZP who who casted all these games and and probably is more familiar with the games themselves. But just to go through the meta again this week, uh, big big winners. Well, the continuous winners for the last I don't know six months. Uh, Lucio ninety eight percent pick rate. No surprise. Six, he six months. <laughs> if yeah, by six months, well, it's like the beginning of time. <laughs> I, I was going to talk about Winston and Diva as well after that, but yeah, Winston and Diva still eighty six and eighty four percent pick rates. Tracers now seventy five. Zenyatta fifty. Uh, Doomfist eking up to thirty seven percent pick rate. That's actually hugely significant. So in almost you know almost half of the games, we're seeing a Doomfist. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, that's actually per team. So you're seeing Doomfist like all the time. He's He works in a lot of situations. Ana, 31%. Not too bad. I feel like there's a perception that Ana is super underpowered right now, but uh, still obviously getting a good amount of picks. Genji down to 28. Soldier 6, 76 at 28% as well. Then it kind of trails off. You've got Reinhardt, 13%. Zarya, 13%. Farah, McCree, Sabra, uh, and Mercy all around 10%. Uh, so I think... Not a whole bunch of surprises here. Remember, this is still on the on 
the, uh, the previous patch. So we are not on the Junkrat buff patch. We're not on the Roadhog buff patch yet. Uh, but mm. I think one of the things I'd like to call out is that this is actually one of the more equitable pick rates that we've seen uh, having Doomfist that high, uh, you know, Reinhardt's back, Zarya's back to an extent. It could obviously be better, folks. But right now, the meta is actually much more flexible than it has been in the past. I think it's worth noting here that the teams that like Doomfist uh, really like Doomfist, and you see it run quite a bit. So it, when a team... And bear in mind, of course, that Contenders is still playing on the old patch. So Doomfist has been brought down a little bit on live in terms of his ease of use. But you are seeing teams get good use out of it. The teams that are really comfortable with Doomfist, like Gamers Origin, like running it quite a bit. And what you'll see is that when teams run a Doomfist comp, they will also... A good amount of time, not all the time, but also run your Reinhardt Zarya McCree comp with it. That's one of the more common comps. So Doomfist being introduced has also inadvertently sort of brought Ryan Zarya McCree into more comps than they would have been before. So this is sort of the effect that Doomfist has had on the meta here so far. Of course, a lot of teams are still staying with more of the traditional. You see a lot of Winston Diva dives here so far. Yeah. Uh, Z Ana will vary by team, where some teams will pull up the Ana more frequently on defense, even though it sacrifices tank killing power. So we're, we're seeing change-ups here. And let me just say that the 1% for Junkrat there is an <laughs> absolutely glorious 1%. It oh, is, yeah, it is. That's it, it was going uh, to be so different. Same. Well, the, the thing is that you saw what Taimu has been able to do with the unbuffed Junkrat versus the what is going to be an absolute terror and has been a terror in ranked with the buffed Junkrat. So hold on to your butts. Uh, the <laughs> age of the Junkster is, is coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm I'm curious to see what Junkrat does. I'm curious to see what Mercy does. And, you know, by the time the Mercy one comes out. Uh, but let's talk about Lucio. So Lucio, 98%. And... You know, historically speaking, when you know, and we've seen Lucio in this position for a very long time now. Uh, you know, being that or picked at that rate has been a bad thing. You know, something that Blizzard doesn't necessarily want players to do. Uh, you know, we're not talking about just the general demographic. We're obviously talking about the pro scene here, but the you know, I'll pose the question: Is this a problem? Is Lucio still a problem, even though that they've redesigned him to an extent? And a lot of people were happy with the redesign. But is he still a problem just that he's picked so much and he still is a must pick in, in many, many people's eyes, if not everybody's eyes? I mean, I don't know if I would classify as a problem. I would still argue that overall we're getting more variety than we have in a lot of other metas. Yeah. Every support is getting its day right now, even though Mercy has dropped off a little bit because you see less teams running fair Mercy. I think with Lucio, it just comes down to a part where he's a very versatile hero, full of power, but he's also the only hero that's giving appreciable speed to people in these compositions right now. So if you want to make Lucio played less, you need to give someone else the ability to speed up and sort of be the engaged, disengage uh, champion that Lucio is right now. Because, I mean, Lucio fixes a lot of problems. Not only does he speed people up to get you out of bad situations where you're getting ulted on or give you really good engages, but also, I mean, he has a lot of control with boops and sound bears whole. Like, in general, he's a hero that gives a lot of control over the game, and you're not getting other heroes that can quite fit that role here. So I don't think it's a matter of really nerfing Lucio per se. I just think that we need more support. Supports that can sort of do some of the roles he's doing, maybe not all of it, but then also do add in a few other things. So just 
give people a choice for what Lucio's doing. Yeah, it's not ideal ever to have a, a hero basically be a must-pick, which is really what Lucio is. And also, by the way, there's no signs of that changing either. I mean, the Mercy patch isn't going to change that. But Mercy's going to be awesome, but you're going to be running Lucio with that Mercy every single time. Uh, the, the caveat, though, I'll agree with, with CP. Like, he's actually a fun, dynamic hero that makes the game faster, makes the game more dynamic. So from a does it make Overwatch less fun to watch because Lucio's picked so much? I don't think so. I think yeah. it's better with him in it, and it's better with him in every game. We just need more options. Uh, someone in chat has mentioned there's like there's like 13 DPS characters to choose from and still legitimately only four healers. So give us some more support options, Blizzard. I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure the next hero is going to be <laughs> a support. But they could please. give a lot of support. But to you know, ZP's point and you know, to your point, speed is clearly super high on the list of power abilities. You know, and um, you know, especially from a support player, I would be surprised they give at least a, a very very redundant type of character <laughs> so that. You know, Lisa's just not played, or maybe you choose. I don't know. Maybe that is a good thing. Maybe we have two speed characters, and you know, you kind of split between the two, and it's some, something's different about it, right? The ultimate's not necessarily something that's, you know, health related. It's something maybe offensive related. One thing I think it's important to clarify for people who don't follow comp completely closely is that you don't actually see every team running Lucio. You, you are points where from teams on defense. You see it a lot more on, say, first point defenses, where we've seen it on like Hanamura, we've seen it on Gibraltar, and the, the general idea there is to sort of be more of a stand-and-fight defense, where you just punish teams for diving in and have a little bit more firepower, because of course both heroes have more uh, power in their healing and uh, just damage than Lucio has straight up. So, it, it's not that every single comp runs a Lucio. We have seen teams experiment out of the mold, it's just most games will still have a Lucio in them. I, this, I just had this idea. Give us a support hero that can deploy a jump pad that heals you or something. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> like something that allows you to... That like, would be crazy. Fight. Oh, man. I love this idea. Blizzard, <laughs> I know you watch a every jump podcast. pad? You can't, like a wow. jump pad that gives you a burst of speed? How cool would that shit be? Boom. <laughs> okay. All right. That one's for free, Blizzard. <laughs> that one's for free. I mean, you've been right with some predictions in the past, so man, that would be crazy. That would be totally crazy, but pretty fun to watch if that that, that were the case. Um, but okay, anyways, that definitely cool. Uh, with Captain Planet's meta report, definitely go and check that out if you guys don't know about it for whatever reason. It's on overbuff.com. He does it every week, and it's a uh, community favorite. And the, this is the thing where I'm not trying to uh, step on the host. Maybe that's coming up here, but I do believe this episode was sponsored, was it not? Or is that the next no, one? No, no, that's the next one. We're actually going to okay, be sponsored I'm jumping next the gun. episode. Spoilers. I've jumped crazy. the gun entirely. Like it's we're talking about a... <laughs> yeah, spoilers, spoilers. But, but actually, it's not It's not sponsored. It's selling out, guys, remember. Yeah, Anytime you receive out, money right. for anything on the internet, you've sold out. That's, that, that's so, right. You think it's going to be right? I'm just making sure we're not forgetting. <laughs> Thanks, like, yeah, first Thank, like I would forget it's sponsored. <laughs> I think, I think Chris would know. I mean, Jesus, we, we talked about her. Gosh. Um. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, one question I have now is, uh, God, was this? A, I think this is an official announcement from Blizzard. Or no, 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 no. Uh, it was uh -oh. one of the. Uh, no, no. What, I, I remember now. It was uh, the. Uh, it, it was uh, one of the coaches for one of the contenders teams confirmed that 
next week of contenders will potentially be on a new patch or on the new oh, patch. Okay. Right. Uh, so, yeah. God, who was it? I can't, I can't remember. I'm sorry. Uh, but the question is, will it be on the current patch that's currently out on the ranked servers or will we see the mercy and diva changes go out to live next week and it'll go out on, and that will be what contenders Ooh, Jesus, man. Uh, well, the one thing I will say uh, before we move on from meta is I cannot wait for this mercy, these mercy and diva changes to go through. I played a lot of PTR uh, mm-hmm. in between seasons and a couple of days in between seasons towards the end of last season. And these mercy changes and diva changes both feel so good. I feel like every time I see a mercy in my game now, I'm like, oh, it's the boring mercy. It's not it's not cool and exciting and dynamic like like the new mercy is going to be. So I, I can't wait for this patch to hit. And I hope to see contenders on it soon. Maybe yeah. more McCree's coming out. <laughs> uh, co- Coffee maker says the current patch, one point one four. Yeah, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out. It'll be interesting. I mean, I think it's always cool to see how teams adapt around a new patch when it hits. Obviously, you take a look here. Envy is clearly ahead of the meta, where they're still somehow making Junkrat work on this patch. Uh, really, I just want to get a skin at some point for. Junkrat that replaces the Junkrat laughs with just a uh, recorded audio file of Taimu laughing. Because that's just how <laughs> I imagine Taimu running uh, things on the MV team speak, where anytime he's like, just imagine Taimu's laugh echoing through your head as he kills like three people, because that is what the rest of MV is almost certainly hearing whenever he has success with that hero right now. He gets some funny kills, man. You have to give it to him, though. <laughs> if you watch a stream or you watch even the matches, it it's, it is pretty awesome to watch. And I could totally see uh, a Taimu cosplay of Junkrat and laughing, you know, just breaking out that yes, laugh. Yes, please. Yes, that would be amazing. Uh, BlizzCon, uh, Taimu. BlizzCon. One more, one more question to ZP. Uh, if if it goes live uh, on the current patch or, or next patch regardless, Junkrat's like a, a monster now, right? He's going to get picked. Or am I Almost certain. Mark? Yeah. I mean, it seems every like he's situation? quite strong right now. Uh, every situation? There's always a possible... Not every situation, but... Not, no, not every situation, but you get picked more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the question is, like, is it you sort of a paper tiger here where people are overestimating just how strong he is? Uh, we'll have to see, right? Because it, you do sort of have this back and forth where something new comes out, people think it's really good, and then maybe people learn how to deal with it and it's used less. But yeah. he got so many buffs across the board that it would be difficult to think that you wouldn't be seeing more of him in general and perhaps drastically more of him. I mean, he deals with uh, with Tracers and Genjis all right now that he has two mines. I mean, that mine is mm-hmm. just about the mid-range where a Tracer wants to be and a Genji wants to be even closer than that when he when he's 1v1-ing you. So definitely seems like he could be like good anti-flanker. He's going to be fun to watch, too. Uh, that's the one thing as a spectator, too. He, he is one hero that's... <laughs> That's very uh, the, easy to understand. The hero is the, like not crazy shaky or anything like that. You know, it's it's fun. He is the biggest troll in the entire game. Like it, both both in thematic design and just actual play. Just good lord, Junkrat. <laughs> it, it, it'll be interesting to see what we see from it. Of course, you have other changes that are coming in as well. And yeah, I mean, because you, you have It'll the Roadhog good. changes that went in the. Set changes that went in, and then of course, coming in after that, you have the deep changes and mercy changes. So, yeah, let no one tell you that competitive Overwatch hasn't seen its fair share of recent uh, tweaks because all these things, to some degree or another, should affect the metagame. And in fact, we have seen more variety here in Contender Season One than we saw throughout a lot of Contender Season Zero. So, there is some 
testament to the idea that the game is getting shaken up for the better in recent times. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the thing I love about uh, Overwatch meta is like, imagine Junkrat does get a lot more picks. Like, what does well against Junkrat? Pharah. So you're probably going to see more Pharah Mercy to counter that. You know, you know what else does well against Junkrat? I think McCree is actually a really good Junkrat counter right now as well. Uh, so. Yeah. You know, I, I just love how like one buff will have like that cascading effect and change just all these different things. Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, why don't we move on and do some email Q and A? Uh, we've we've received some questions from you guys this last week, and if you have any questions for us, go ahead and email us at the overview at chamanby.tv, and we'll uh, try to bring your question onto the show, or we'll choose the best questions. Usually, we read them all just because we don't get like a ton of them, so that I, I have to you know pick and choose. But we've got Jew, uh, was it chewing Judas? Do you believe the the flow state, you know, quote quote unquote, the flow state exists? And if so, how do you reliably tap into that? This is like Zenyatta stuff. Basically, the way <laughs> it was explained to me was that flow state is when your brain clicks off and your body talent takes over, and it usually results in massive plays in game. Thanks so much. So uh, yeah, that's that's the zone, right? Is that what we call the zone? So- it's clearly some sort of zone, although really I want to just compliment the username going in there. That is an excellent Dante's Inferno <laughs> reference. Yes. For, the, for those who sure. haven't read Dante's Inferno, the you know final circle or the final level of hell is icy cold, reserved for traitors because the author of Dante's Inferno was betrayed earlier in his life and thus really hated betrayers. But there's three betrayers that were being tra- or, uh, chewed upon by the devil there, and uh, Judas was one of them. So I have to assume that is where this <laughs> name comes from. So, Some yes, culture yes. in your Overwatch podcast. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, so, I mean, going to the fl- just flow state exist, I mean, there's certainly, a, just thinking about experiences I had as a pro player in games like Tribes, I mean, there, there's certainly a point where you feel like you're doing really well and all the rest, but you're still having to make active decisions and listening to your team and otherwise. You can't just completely zone out in a team game, especially I couldn't imagine you could zone out to the degree that you could in other games in Overwatch where so much is based around making sure you're going at the right time, so on and so forth. But, I mean, you can definitely hit a point where things are feeling really good and you're doing really well. Yeah, I, I'm not a pro player, but I have you ever watched the Warriors play before? Have you ever seen uh, Clay Thompson get into that zone? It's actually insane. Like, and a lot of basketball players will explain he this scores feeling. 37 where, points in a quarter. Yeah, yeah that's pretty Yeah, insane. it's like <laughs> where, where you feel like you can't miss and the rim is just like four times larger than usual and every shot just like feels effortless and your brain start, starts to click off. If you've ever played like, a, a, you know, any sports or video games, you've probably felt this at one point or another. I mean, I was never super good at ping pong, but I feel like ping pong is one of those where you, your arms just start moving and you're like, <laughs> you're no longer thinking like what Forrest Gump, like for like that yeah. type of thing. Okay, sure, uh, sure. But I mean, I've certainly felt this. Like, I think the best. Uh, I, I, this is this is not going to be helpful at all. But like, the best thing you can do is just practice a lot. It's it's all about activating your muscle memory, uh, and, and the only way to do that is is by lots and lots and lots of repetitive practice. Uh, I, I've flipped into into this zone in Overwatch. Like, occasionally I'll be playing ranked games for a couple of hours, and then like I'll have a game where like. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wake up in the middle of it and I'm just, I'm playing Tracer or something, zipping around, just effortlessly headshotting uh, and, and destroying and playing way better than I usually do. I, I don't know. Does that answer your I, question? I, maybe it does. I, I don't did know. it I've been twice in my life too. I mean, 
I've surely it's happened in gaming, but I but it it doesn't stand out to me in, in different times of gaming. But I've had it happen twice in sports. I've had it once happen in tennis where I had an entire match where it was just in the zone where just everything I wanted to do actually I was able to do it and just obviously destroyed the guy. And then I had it happen one time in basketball when I was visiting as a pers perspective frosh at uh what was it that's like wash U or something like that in st louis and you know like whenever you visit universities they put you with you know some i don't know some upperclassmen or something like that so i was with some guy and they had you know some type of basketball game with their, his fraternity or whatever so i ended up playing it in it dude i was on fire dude i could not miss they thought i was so amazing at basketball and i, I was just kind of laughing inside and I was just, I've never had that. I didn't miss a single shot. We played for three hours. I think I speak I for everyone. I say that. Shot. I think I speak for everyone. I say we're glad you gave up your fledgling NBA career to sit here and talk sports with us. Yeah, Thank you, Chad. This is sad. Oh, uh, I actually, I, I, I just did watch a, a training video. I, I can't remember the name of the YouTuber, but he had some Overwatch training video where he was uh, very much preaching that one of the best ways to warm up and 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 get your aim going is to actually try and keep your brain very active while you're while you're practicing and warming up like listen to uh an in-depth like political podcast really? and try to parse every single word or listen to a music you've never oh, that's listened to cool. before and like listen to every lyric or he even suggested doing math problems in your head uh while you're while you're warming up just as a way to like make make your body default to the uh muscle memory okay yeah cool interesting definitely it'd be really good to see what players say like if they you know experience and how often they experience it too that'd be really, really <laughs> cool to see uh all right so we have another question from tusk tuskegee air just after last episode we found out that or this is this is from like a week or two ago so this is back when lw blue was announced that they're going in nyc and um he was asking, we found out that LW Blue's league spot would be in NYC. I'm not sure why they couldn't have Busan, but uh, why NYC? Wasn't the point of geolocation to give the few Overwatch diehards in each city some hometown team to identify with? What's the point if you just import your entire team from the other side of the planet? And don't bring up the Red Wings. This is way weirder. <laughs> so th this is a sort of a base misunderstanding of yeah. geolocation. It's not supposed to be the New York team is like all guys from the Northeast or all guys from New York or right. anything like that. The The goal here is that it's much like traditional sports is that you have teams compete for the best players, but they are all within one team identity. And that's pretty much it. It's not supposed to be this thing of, Oh, we're just, you know, grabbing people from this particular area. I mean, it, and look, it happens to traditional sports all the time, right? When LeBron James, he did start the Cavaliers and he did his hometown was uh, Akron, Ohio. You know, suddenly he decides to go to Miami and what happens? He goes to Cleveland and they were just, you know, screaming, Akron hates you. So on and so forth. But uh, it's just standard sports stuff here where you go to what makes most sense as a player. You represent that city, but you don't have to be from that city in order to do so. And I very much hope to see a Busan team and a second Seoul team, <laughs> um, personally. Like, the, there's enough there's enough Korean fans out there that there should be multiple teams in Korea, in my opinion. Yeah, so I think this is a very common thing that, you know, we see in the community where people are wondering the exact same thing that Tuskegee Air is wondering. And 
I think this is a product of all the um, like World Cup and country centric, you know, region centric things that we've been doing and even talking about like on the show. And people think that geolocation is that, you know, they think it's country related. But it's not, you know, the geolocation is, is about cities and it has nothing to do with, you know, what region any of the players are in. So, um, you know, this is more like the NBA, you know, like we're going to have people from Russia. We're going to have people from Germany. We have people from Spain playing on, you know, San Antonio Spurs mostly, you know, or, or the Mavs or something like, or the Cavs. No, not the Cavs, Mavericks. So I think we have to break that, that, you know, mentality of thinking that that's what this league is. You know, the, the Seoul team could very much have NA players on it, and that should be okay, too. And, and just uh, in case people go, well, gee, does, you know, I'm not convinced, isn't this hurting this, is that all you have to do is look at traditional sports and how they've handled that and how cities have rallied behind teams and realize that, te generally speaking, a city will rally around a winning team or even a losing team, depending on how strong their fan base is, period. There, you don't get a lot of, you know, this sort of uh, introspection of, oh, wow, the player isn't from our city. We can't root for this. That yeah. that doesn't happen. I mean, and you take a look at sports like, say, uh, the NHL, where you have plenty of Canadian players that are playing for different U.S. teams, or the NBA, where you have plenty of players from mm -hmm. Europe playing for the various uh, teams there. You know, the, the fan base is, it's all about supporting your city. And generally speaking, people don't look the extra layer and go, well, gee, that person isn't from my city. It, it's about the team in the end. I mean, a lot of times that quote-unquote foreigner ends up being the most popular player on that team, right? So, um, I mean, we saw that. I mean, isn't it in China that, like, Tracy McGrady's Ross uh, or uh, jersey is, like, the, the most sold jersey, like, ever, I, I believe? Uh, or records? It's, like, broken records, something like that. And Tracy McGrady, you know, it's a long time gone, you know? I mean, he, he hasn't been crazy awesome for a long time. So, um yeah, anyways, my point is that a lot of times, you know, like if Taimu ended up on the Soul team, I mean, dude, he'd be ridiculous, like celebrity <laughs> over there. <laughs> like crazy, crazy. Um, but uh, let's see. I think that's all we got for today, actually. No more emails. So, again, if you guys want to um, send in your questions or you have want to add to any of the discussions that we have this, uh, or at least this episode, go ahead and email those to the overview at chamavy.tv and we'll be sure to answer those. But that's going to be it, guys. It's a pretty concise show this week, which is awesome. But uh, ZP, any uh, shout-outs you want to do? Where can people find you? Uh, I would say follow me Twitter at TempoZP and continue checking out Contenders. Uh, more great games to come. Uh, still half of a season left to go, plus finals. And definitely excited to see how it pans out. Yeah. Man? Wow, for the very first time in overview history, we were like, okay, it might be a short short show it today, and it actually was. I know. This is insane. Uh, you can follow me on uh, on Twitter at Fishsticks on a personal slash work note. Uh, I know a lot of you have noticed that there's a upcoming events directory on the Overwatch yep. uh, directory on Twitch. If you don't know, I work for Twitch. We actually also <laughs> added previous events. So you can you can oh, wow. actually find VODs from last week's contenders and the week before if you missed anything. It should all be right there for you. This is a work in progress, so we're constantly kind of tweaking it uh, to try and make things better and more uh, and more 
useful. Uh, so please use it. Um, you could RSVP for upcoming broadcasts right there on the sidebar of the Overwatch game directory. Oh, All wow. you got to do is hit that heart button and you'll get an email reminder one hour before it goes live. Uh, hope you guys in are enjoying that feature. Um, it's kind of like an experiment for us. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it. Cool. Thanks for tuning in. All right, and I'll round things out by thanking uh, both of you, Ben and ZP, for uh, this fun show, and everybody for watching that that hung around tonight. These late shows, I know sometimes it can be rough for the East Coast folks, but uh, yeah, definitely thank, thanks for tuning in. You can find the show on YouTube, or at least the VOD, at youtubecom youtube.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.